If you're tuning into this podcast, it shows you care a great deal about your child's health. So I want to share with you my video course on nutrient supplementation for children that I just published on udemy.com. If you check the description of this episode for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list, as soon as you sign up, I'm going to send you a voucher so that you can get this video course for free. And in the course, I'm going to discuss the most important supplements for children and how to pick quality supplements, how to avoid poor quality ingredients, how to avoid potentially harmful extra ingredients, and basically how to steer clear of the marketing ploys designed to sell us inferior quality supplements. So I hope that you get value out of this course. I'm sure that if you apply the knowledge you learn in it, you will save not just time researching these supplements, but also money. And most importantly, you will get the best quality supplements that your budget will allow so that you can provide your child with the nutritional support that they need. So check out the description for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list. And as I said, as soon as you sign up, I'll send you the the coupon to get the course for free. And if you do sign up, please let me know how you find it. If there's any other information you would like me to include or any other feedback, I would be very grateful if you could send me that. Thank you. If you find the information on this podcast valuable, then I would highly recommend that you get my book, Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy. Most of the topics that I cover on the podcast are covered in the book. I talk about a lot of the research into autism and and the health challenges that these kids are suffering from that are in some cases even contributing to um, symptoms of autism. I talk about the importance of gut health, gut function for your child's health, the role of the immune system and its dysregulation in autism, things that can dysregulate the immune system, what you can do about the things that are within your sphere of influence. I talk about gut infections, so candida and yeast and bacteria. I even talk a little bit about other fungal infections like mold. I cover the most common nutritional and metabolic problems that these kids are experiencing and they're they're contributing to a just a diminished quality of life and diminished health. So identifying and addressing them in your child will really, really help them live their best life. So things like zinc and copper imbalance, uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, glutathione deficiencies, just a ton of really valuable information. I also cover the importance of diet, the gluten-free, casein-free diet, of course, how to implement it well. I I talk about how to um, clean up your child's diet and environment from the various foods that and and products that can affect health negatively i have a whole chapter on improving your child's sleep and sleep hygiene then then there's two chapters on the the core five sub daily supplements that every child needs to take and then there's another 25 supplements i cover and when you might want to use them and then of course the last the final chapter i just put everything together for you show you how to how to plan to, what tests to run uh how to plan for it how to you know implement the diet the supplementation when to do what so there's uh, i forgot to say there's a whole chapter on testing so the organic acids test hair testing blood testing food sensitivity testing just the most important tests so i truly feel like this is the best 
or one of the best resources out there for parents. Um, there's hundreds of scientific references that I've I've done all the work for you. I know a lot of parents do a lot of research at the start of their child's um, journey, and uh, I just have done the, the work for you. So please do check out the book. If money is an issue for you, just get in contact with me. I will get you a copy of the book. So I don't want to gatekeep this information. I want to share with share it with as many folks as possible. So if you already have the book, if you're listening to the podcast, please share it with someone, some other family that you know that may find the information beneficial. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Autism Wellbeing Plan, the podcast where you learn how to use advanced functional lab testing, healthy diet, and smart supplementation to improve your child's health, well-being, and quality of life, and by extension, your own quality of life. Please remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only and always consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing anything discussed here. Now, here's your host and author of the book, Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy, Christian Yordanoff. Hello and welcome to the Autism Wellbeing Plan podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I have a treat for you. I am going to share with you an interview I did with Dr. Piper Gibson. Piper is a children's holistic health expert. She's a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner like myself. And she also holds a doctorate in advanced holistic nutrition and is a board certified doctor of holistic nutrition. Um, She's also a certified nutrigenomics specialist using cutting edge nutrigenomics to provide advanced nutrition protocols. In case you don't know, nutrigenomics is basically using genetic testing to guide diet and supplement protocols to basically to tailor them to to the person's genes. So she's really, truly uh, an expert in children's health. And we had a great conversation, which I think you will really find valuable We talked about a ton of different things uh, from diet to supplementation, again, nutrigenomics. She is full of gems of wisdom. And I I think if you like this episode, you will probably want to listen to it more than once. I will have show notes for it on my website, christianyorlanov.com, where you will find some of the links and the books that we talk about. Please do check it out. The the video will be on YouTube as well. You'll be able to watch this in video. Um, Again, just really, I was really, really happy with this conversation. So many, so many nuggets of wisdom that I think every parent would get value from this. So without further ado, here is Dr. Piper Gibson. And I sincerely hope that you get a lot of value from this episode. Thank you for tuning in. All right. Today on the podcast, we have... Piper Gibson. Piper, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, glad to have you. So can you tell folks a little bit about your background and what kind of got you uh, to where you are now and you know what kind of spurred your interest into children's health in particular? Yeah. So my story starts where our story starts eight years ago when my son was diagnosed with a neurological tick. So We were, one day he was fine. We had actually come back from an awesome trip to Disneyland. He was fine. And the next day he woke up jerking his neck. 
uh, clicking his heels, clearing his throat, just twitching. And as parents, we were terrified. I and mean, my husband was taking recordings of him and we were really, really scared. So, you know, we went to doctor after doctor. In the end, we tried 10 different doctors. We had a neurologist tell us that our son just needed a good spanking. And I got to a point where I really felt like the conventional approach had failed us. And so out of desperation, I went back to school. I relearned every single thing I thought I knew about health and wellness. Um, I became a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I got a doctorate in advanced holistic nutrition. I became board certified as a doctor of natural medicine. And ultimately, through all of that, I was able to transform my son's health. His long list of symptoms melted away. And so now I help families just like mine, those that are struggling with ticks and Tourette's, um, those that are on the spectrum, to conquer their long list of symptoms using functional lab testing, food, and natural approaches. Awesome. Yeah, like the, I, I suppose we can, we could, you and me could discuss this topic for a very, very long time. But I think for folks out there, can you, I suppose, let's, let's start right at the beginning. Um, what, what do all of these childhood conditions and um, disorders and whatever you want to call them, what do they all have in common? They all have stress in common. And when we're talking about stress, we are not just talking about that emotional stress. Like for adults, it's, oh, my boss is a jerk. I hate my job. But we're talking about all of the stress. So the environmental stress, what are we, what are we eating? What are, what are we spraying in and around our homes? Like what's going on in the environment? The biological stress, what's going on on the inside? Like, you know, is it a gut bug? Is it inflammation? Like what is that stress being caused on the inside? And then also that mental emotional stress does play a role. I mean, our kids are in school. There's a bully epidemic going on. So there's all sorts of different areas where we're looking at that stress. And that stress is really what is at at the root of these problems, these chronic things that are going on. And um, so in terms of the what we can uncover with functional lab tests, is there any commonalities you're seeing in your clients, children? Yeah, absolutely. So with the functional lab testing, I see tons of children who have food sensitivities. Um, I see tons of children who definitely have imbalance in the gut microbiome. So, you know, good bacteria, bad bacteria, overgrowth of opportunistic bacteria. Um, I actually also use nutrigenomics. So genetics and genes are genes and nutrition together. And, you know, I see a lot of kids who are predisposed to chronic inflammation. They don't detox well, they don't metabolize well. Um, Maybe they've got some gluten sensitivity. So we can look at all of these things and really start to put together uh, the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was actually going to discuss nutrigenomics a little bit in a little bit more depth later um, it, it, because it's really a fascinating area that I've not done much research into myself and that's, you know, something on my list. Um, so what what kind of, can you describe for folks, what, what's, what's your approach when, let's say, a client comes with, let's say, a child with... Uh, ticks, Tourette's, or, you know, uh, is on the spectrum, ADHD, what's your approach? How do you kind of, um, um, you know, uh, analyze what, what, what the most important things are to address? First, we're going to start with getting a health history because knowing what's happened from birth until now 
makes a huge difference. We want to know, are they uh, natural birth? Are they C-section? Because when you're C-section, you miss all of that good bacteria in the, in the birth canal. We want to know if they're bottle fed, if they're breastfed. We want to look at, you know, the, just their growth and development, their immune system specifically over that time from birth until now, what is going on. And then we're going to use some functional lab data. So with my clients, we're looking at food, uh, gut function, nutrigenomics, a lot of times organic acids. And we're going to put all that together. We're going to compare and contrast what their symptoms are with their health history, with the lab test. So we're not going to treat the paper. We want to know what are those hidden stressors? What are those things that are going on deep down in the body that we can really address and put together in an individualized plan? Awesome. You, you, it's like when I talk to you, like you really, you really ooze knowledge and you know exactly what's up. You know exactly what needs to be done. I love it. I love it. So let's, let's, um, let's, uh, take a hypothetical scenario, a family, they just have a diagnosis recently, or they suspect maybe their child is on the spectrum. What would you recommend for them to do? How, how would, what, what are the most important things? Absolutely. Let's get in. Let's look at that health history. Let's see what's going on. And then, you know, let's say I'm working with somebody on a budget. I would definitely say, let's look at, at gut function because we know when we're looking at gut function, is, is there inflammation going on? Is there poor immunity going on? Is there that bad imbalance of bacteria going on? So if we're starting with gut, we can really kind of dig in and refine how we're going to work with that person based on their comparison with their symptoms. Um, if I have somebody that's coming to me that budget is no issue, let's run organic assets. Let's look at uh, stool pathogens. Let's look at nutrigenomics and let's look at food sensitivity and put together the most powerful package that we can. But for me, because when I went through all of this with my son, there was nobody to hold my hand. There was nobody to walk me through this process to help me know what I was doing. In fact, we were referred to a nutritionist and she was booked out six months. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out for myself. Um, and that's really what kind of led me down this whole rabbit hole. But I walk my, my families through the families that I'm working with. Like, when we're changing diet, how can we change diet? How can we focus on that nutrient rich food? How can we make it easy to cook and go shopping? I'm going to walk them through, you know, the protocols that they're going to need as far as supplementation, um, how we can help their child to sleep better um, and how we can mitigate stress as far as like the emotional kind of stress, the overwhelm, those things that are going on. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really good. Do you let, let okay. There's so many questions I, I can, I can kind of ask you and directions we can go to. Um, if let's say a family are not, yet ready to invest in functional lab testing is there like a minimal re protocol you re you can recommend for example I, I in my book i i say um i you know ideally you want to run as many tests as you can afford to but something like fish oil multivitamin calcium magnesium digestive enzymes and probiotics pretty much most children would benefit from would you have a similar kind of baseline recommendation yeah. So that really is my similar baseline recommendation. And we really want to start with food and nutrition because I think ultimately that makes a difference and our kids eat so much crap. Um, but yeah, if we're looking at just basic first line supplements, I'm looking at things like digestive enzyme for sure. 
omega-3s that's going to help with that inflammation, especially when we're dealing with that neurological symptom. Um, a multivitamin can be beneficial, um, but really focusing on, on that diet and really kind of changing what they're eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How important is an all-organic diet in your opinion? I think an all-organic diet is extremely important. And I get that organic foods sometimes can be expensive. And so there are foods, like if you look at ewg.org, you've got the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. So things like potatoes and strawberries and apples, you should always, always, always be eating organic. But things like avocados and bananas, maybe you you can get away with the non-organic. But when we look at people who are eating a non-organic diet and you test their blood, they have high levels of glyphosate. You've got those pesticides that are circulating in the body. They kill the gut microbiome. And so when we take those out and we put people on an all organic diet, studies have shown time and time again that those glyphosate levels in the blood drop by like 90% in the first five days of changing your diet. So when you have underlying stressors, when you're thinking of stressors, think about all the chemicals in your body. And if you change to a clean organic diet, you're removing a big stressor right there. Yeah. You know, I, I actually ran the uh, Great Plains Lab GPL tox test that tests for, you know, the 172 toxic metabolites. So I ran that in January, got the results in February this year, and I was absolutely shocked at the results. And we eat, at the time, our diet wasn't perfect. It was just after Christmas, but we eat mostly organic food. So I haven't had any any client yet invest in that test. Um, but I feel like a lot of folks that don't do all organic, they may be in for a real shocker if, if they're on this kind of test on their kids. Yeah. Um, so I think so too. I absolutely agree with that. Do do you supplement your labs with uh, blood work? Are you into that? I like blood work. Uh, you, I think you can find so many hidden things with blood work because I'm going to look at it from more of that nutritional perspective than from, I'm not looking at it from a medical perspective. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think you can find a lot of hidden things, but when working with kids, I find that a lot of kids, it, it's not worth the struggle to try and get them to do the blood work. If they come to me and they've got blood work that they've done, yes, please bring it. I want to look at it, but I am really more about what kind of kid-friendly tests can we use that are going to use things like stools, hair, saliva, uh, just a finger prick to get some blood instead of like, I think blood testing is traumatic for a lot of kids and there you go with another stressor. So why add another stressor when there's other ways that we can kind of look at that? Yeah, totally agree with that. Totally agree. Do you, what about hair testing then? You, you said you mentioned hair testing. Would that be part of your standard labs you run? It's not, it's not part of my standard. Um, it's probably secondary line of testing that I would recommend. I do think kids have, um, and I've seen many times they have that heavy metal toxicity, but I really believe when you can help them to start detoxing properly, we can look at their genes when we can get their gut back in shape because your gut and your liver play off of each other. And when you can get those things back in shape, it really helps them to start detoxifying. You're going to start to see a reduction of symptoms. So really HTMA is going to be that second line of, of things that we would look at if we're not seeing a lot of success, which we, by this point, are usually seeing a lot of success. 
Yeah, that kind of leads me to a question I wanted to ask at some point. What in I mean, I know this is very very specific to each person, each child, but what sort of time frames in your experience does it take to start seeing some noticeable results in the kids? With the program. Kids are very resilient. They bounce back. Um and I'll tell you with my own son, This is not necessarily typical. Um, with my own son, we saw a huge improvement in the first 30 days. Um, mm. His teacher was like, what did you do to this child? Most kids start to see improvement in about 90 days. Um, and it's really about going for the long haul. It's about the fact that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not going to change overnight. But if you keep keep on trucking, you are going to see a lot of improvements, especially as time progresses. For us, that's very true. I mean, we really have been working hard for three years to get my son where he is today. And we see improvement. We still see improvements. That's awesome. Do you mind me asking how old he is now? He's 15 now. Um, and you, three years ago, three and a half years ago, I really wondered like, will this child ever have a normal life? Is this just something he has to deal with just based on the fact that doctors were really dismissive about the ticks, just ignore it. He'll grow out of it. We're not doing any testing. So to see the changes three years later where he's symptom free, he listens to his body. He knows he can tell you that he's eaten gluten or dairy that is going to cause some inflammation, some flare ups. And so he's 15, he's learning to drive. He's so kind and generous and Things have just really, really changed for him by using these out-of-the-box approach. Mm. And you said the the ticks started pretty much overnight, right? Overnight. So eight years ago, they started overnight. When he was diagnosed, so now there's diagnosis for pans and pandas, which is that pediatric diagnosis that is basically an underlying infection. So when we were diagnosed with ticks, there was no pans or pandas diagnosis. That wasn't a thing. Um, so now we are seeing a huge increase in pans and pandas diagnosis. The American Academy of Pediatrics says that they estimate one in 200 kids struggles with pans and pandas. So pandas is that inflammation after a strep infection. And pans is more of inflammation, neurological, OCD, and ticks. Um, and they're not really sure why it's why it happens, but it's basically that underlying stressor. Is there a food sensitivity? Is there a toxin sensitivity? Usually it's all of the above sensitivity. Yeah. So in your case, were you able to pinpoint to some major contributing factor or? Yeah, for us, diet was huge. Uh, he had, my son had been pretty much chronically ill since birth, like in fact, ear infection after ear infection after ear infection, infection, he had ear tubes at seven months. And so he had taken a lot of antibiotics and it's one of those things that had I known then what I know now, I would have done everything differently. But back then I didn't know any better. We went to a pediatrician. Here's the antibiotics. He probably did seven rounds of antibiotics in the first seven months of life. So I know that he had just experienced a lot of gut damage. What he was eating as he grew older made it worse. And so by the time he was six, it was like, so So about eight years ago, that's where you, you, you weren't into health at all prior to that? No, we were, we were into health. And as far as like, we went to the gym, we worked out. Um, but we definitely were like a drive-through family. Hey, we're going to stop at Taco Bell on the way to Taekwondo practice. Um, it, I mean, we were not unhealthy on paper. We were healthy, but what was going on inside 
his body, you know, over time was not apparent until, until all of these symptoms started happening. Yeah. This is what I, I try to, you know, people that like you and me, that we are now, you know, converts to the functional paradigm. It for not, for not, for us, it's like, um, it, 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 it's common knowledge, but for folks that are still outside that we're trying to kind of spread the knowledge to it, it's one of the most important things I tell people, yes, you are young or yes, you look healthy or your child may not have any noticeable symptoms now, but if you continue a certain barrage of damaging um, habits, be it pesticide-laden food or, you know, Coca-Colas and just just uh, harmful uh, foods or whatever, you know, not enough sun exposure, it will like there's stuff we cannot see on the outside happening, causing damage until a tipping point, And now we have symptomatology. Am yes, definitely that. Or, epi- yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the epigenetic factor. It is the impact of your environment on your genes. And over time, you, people live their way into this. You don't just wake up one day and have these symptoms. We, yes, he woke up one day and had symptoms, but we, we lived our way into that, so to speak. And so you you really are living your way into to illness. And if you look at things that really do with cognition as far as like Alzheimer's and dementia, you are getting Alzheimer's and dementia going on 30 years before you're diagnosed, 30 years. So like now, you know, when I'm 70, I don't want to have, be able to, I want to be able to think and use my brain. And so I right now is the time that you really have to think about what's going on. Absolutely. Not just for adults, the, but for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because just, just like we can do damage, we can reverse damage and we can, you know, build with what we know now about neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, we can actually grow new brain cells. You can grow a new body. So, yeah. So in, in your, in your experience, um, let, let's say the symptoms go away for whatever, whatever kind of ailment or, or, or condition, um, you know, the child has, what would be like a baseline testing and protocol, and, you know, diet supplementation protocol you would still kind of have, you know, I don't want to say for life, but just long-term. And I think you do kind of have to look at it as for life and things like gluten that aren't good for anybody. Um, if you have a kid who's really struggling with their health, like adding gluten back in is not going to be a healthy option. So following that baseline organic diet and following just some simple supplementations. And for us, that's really where nutrigenomics comes in is that we can look at what based on his genes, he really needs what I really need. And then we can Mm -hmm. apply it that way. So it's not like, Oh, you have to take these supplements forever. It's, what can we do to help your body run at optimum levels? Love it, love it. All right, so let's let's unpack this nutrigenomic stuff. For starters, what if a family are completely naive to what nutrigenomics is? Would you give us an over an overview of, I suppose, some labs that some directions they can go in terms of testing? Uh, what the main genes are that we're interested in, you know, the most common ones that we see SNPs in, 
And how how would one go about addressing any genetic variations that may you know predispose us to certain issues? So yeah, genes is of course unique to everybody. It's going to be different. I've I've done families. I've done my own family, and so it's definitely different amongst everybody. But for when I say nutrigenomics, it is looking at genetics and nutrition, how your genes react to and what they need as far as nutrition goes. So I explain it to my clients like this. If you have a house and there is a crack in your foundation, you are going to do everything possible to reinforce that foundation. So you can keep living in your house and loving your house. Same thing with your genes. When we are looking at genes, it's not things like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. It's things like you have cracks in your foundation. How can we reinforce them? And so being able to look at genes, we can look at what we need to remove and what we need to reinforce. And the genes are really your blueprint. And you can't build a good home without a blueprint, but it's the blueprint and it's how we can support those things around it. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the States, what what labs would you, I'm not sure if you know about Europe, but in the States at least, would you know any reputable labs that folks can check out? So I use, I work with people all over the world and I can actually send my genetic testing pretty much anywhere. Uh, It's a swab of the inside of the mouth. You put it back in the little container, send it back. Um, So I use a lab uh, called GX Sciences. I also use a lab called MaxGen Labs. Um, And MaxGen and GX Sciences both have like practitioner specific testing. So when I'm looking at kids, I'm looking at about 36 different genes, just where can we support them? Uh, Many people have heard of MTHFR. It's like the sexy gene. Everybody's heard of it. And it's like the hot thing. But MTHFR is really the last gene in the methylation chain. And we want to look at what's going on in these other chains and how can we support that? Um, And then we can look at other things like uh, VDR for for vitamin D. We can look at uh, neurotransmitter genes. So things like GAD1, a lot of kids cannot, especially kids on the spectrum, cannot handle glutamates. So we can look at the GAD1 gene and see what that predisposition is. Also, things that include chronic inflammation. So like IL-5, IL-6, uh, TCN2 is for, for B12. So we can kind of look at all of these factors and see where we need the most support and the most reinforcement. And usually it's taking things out and adding things into the diet like folate. B12, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And it's really about like also looking at in conjunction with what are they eating? If they're eating a diet high in McDonald's and Taco Bell, they're not getting those nutrients. But if we can really change that diet here, have some, some green leafy vegetables, eat more meat. That's going to be high in the B12. That can be just a good starting point. We may not need to add in a whole bunch of extra supplementation, but the way I look at it with kids who have this, this endless list of symptoms is they've kind of fallen into this vortex. They've fallen into this hole. And because your body is using so much nutrition and to keep them balanced, you get further and further into this hole. So at first, using supplements, things like B12 or folate, might be that rope that's going to help pull them out mm. of that vortex. I love that analogy. Yeah, it's like that that initial support just to get your on your feet and, mm-hmm. and running. Um, I just want to go back because you just said something that I, so you said 
it might be something like adding more meat, <clears throat> which has B12. What is your stance on on meat? I know with the you know the the plant based movement kind of gaining popularity. How much meat, in your opinion, should a child eat? Should should they have days without meat? Uh, should they eat, you know, a, a, a protein at every meal? What's your kind of take on on this? So for me, um, I do think protein is very important. You and I really believe the same thing. There's not a one size fits all diet, but when it comes to meat, uh, pound for pound, ounce for ounce, meat has more nutritional value than protein that's going to come from plants. It is a complete amino acid strain, whereas your plants are incomplete. It doesn't have all of the amino acids that you need. For a lot of kids, especially with the neurological, they need those amino acids because those are going to be turned into their neurotransmitters, their serotonin and their dopamine. So for me, uh, eating meat is really important. I have actually have a couple of clients right now who were trying to convert from vegan because their kids really need this extra support from the meat. They need the amino acids. They need the B12. They need the higher levels of zinc. And when I'm talking about meat, I really am going to recommend some kind of grass-fed beef, wild-caught salmon and fish, things that are lower in, in mercury, uh, pasture chicken. So healthy, healthy raised meat. Um, and I, I think meat is important, uh, every day, your body's going to break it down and, and use what you need to make your neurotransmitters. So I am not a huge supporter of the plant-based movement. I do think kids need to be eating more plant foods, you know, the green leafy vegetables for sure. Mm -hmm. But I do 100% see the importance of them getting meat. And if you are kind of on the, on the fence about that, uh, there's a great book about, uh, Rob Wolf just put out called sacred cow. Um, and it's all about, about meat and the myths behind meat. And it's pretty, a pretty good read, especially if you're like vegan or vegetarian and thinking about converting. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to include that book in the show notes because I love Rob Wolf and I haven't read that particular book, but I completely agree with you. Not only, do I believe meat is important every day? But at, at this point, we eat meat pretty much every meal. High quality meat, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, especially for kids like that. I like what you said because uh, uh, it, it is true that meat is the most kind of, especially things like uh, fatty fatty meat is the most nutritionally dense food you could get. There's so, so much nutrition there. And we, we seem to be kind of, be thrown propaganda that it's it's the other way around but anyway i i just wanted to underscore that for uh for folks that are kind of on the fence and then and, and there's a lot of mixed information out there and i think having someone you know as knowledgeable as yourself corroborate my arguments in my book uh is just really really nice to have so um what about would you piper would you automatically go for the gluten-free casein-free diet with most of your clients before even looking at food sensitivities? Yes and no. I don't like to make any diet changes until we've looked at food sensitivities because it's going to give us a good, powerful, packed punch about what's really going on with them. But for, for kids, for adults, for anybody, you can look at the, the data and the study Gluten just is not good for anybody. That study out of Harvard, they took five uh, people or four people, those that had celiacs, those that were gluten sensitive, those that were recovering, and those that said, 
hey, gluten doesn't bother me. They tested them all. And what they found is that gluten gave every single one of them leaky gut. And when we end up with that leaky gut, we end up with things in our bloodstream that don't belong there. So for me, I feel like gluten is not for anybody. And But for a lot of these kids, dairy um, is a cross-reactor with gluten. They have very similar amino acids patterns, you know, when they get into the body and your body's trying to digest them. So I usually recommend getting rid of that too. But you also have to look at the, the morphine effect, the opioid effect of gluten and dairy. We love comfort food like macaroni and cheese because it causes that opioid effect. Just like we have all these people that are addicted to opioids for, for pain relief. We have people that are addicted to cheese and bread for pain relief, for, for easing that, that discomfort they have going on. And when we get the, those opioid reactions in the brain from the casein and the, and the gluten, um, that really can affect a lot of kids, especially their concentration and their focus. And when parents take that out, it's like, oh, makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about other grains? Would you allow, I mean, when I say allow, I mean, in, in, in your family and if it comes, when it comes to client recommend, obviously if not, it's not about everybody's the boss on themselves, but would you recommend other grains, uh, as part of a, a diet for a child? Typically, um, historically, evolutionary, however you want to look at it, humans don't really have the ability to digest grains very well. Um, you can see that when you eat corn. That's all I'm going to say. But humans do, humans do not really have the ability to digest grains very well. And so grains can be very, very inflammatory for, for everybody that eats them. We should really be focusing on the meats, the fruits, and the vegetables. That being said, um, rice is probably the least offensive if you're eating white rice in moderation because it's it can be higher in arsenic, especially the brown rice. Um, and corn, if you're going to eat corn, especially in the United States, I recommend gluten-free and in moderation. Like We live in New Mexico. Enchiladas and tacos are bountiful here. So yeah. we are going to eat them on occasion. Um, but it's grains are not going to be the bulk of what we're eating at all. And I really recommend that for clients. We had a period of time where we removed all grains. And now we can have a little bit of them, but not uh, not the bulk of our, our meals at all and on occasion. Yeah. I think the healthiest we've been is when we were doing Dr. Gundry's lectin-free, no grains, no pulses, no beans. I had some skin, weird skin issues, thingies, just like for eight, for decades you know, or more that just went away, you know, it was just amazing. So what, what about, what would be your stance on pulses, beans, lentils, those kind of things? Um, I think if you are really trying to follow that anti-inflammatory diet, if you're working to heal your child, I don't, I would remove them. I would focus mm. on more of that paleo style diet where you're not eating the beans um, and the pulses and things like that, because they do have a lot of lectins and kids, especially those that are having leaky gut going on. Why add more to the mix when you can just get, get back to basics. And a lot of people think it's really overwhelming to get back to those basics, meats, fruits, and veggies. But we did it for thousands of years, you know, just cut out the crap in the middle of the grocery store, shop on the outside, you know, yeah, the freezer yeah. sections, the meats, the fruits, the veggies. Yeah. And I mean, what folks, I'm hoping folks get out of this is 
it, it, this doesn't have to be forever. It's, it's like, I, I like your analogy of, you know, throwing the rope down the hole, getting yourself out of a hole. It might be six months. It might be, you know, 12 months, but keep it as clean as possible to give your child the, the biggest chance of, you know, their, their immune system coming down, their gut repairing, you know, all those toxic compounds not entering their body. And then from there, I suppose, you know, we, 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 like I said, we were doing the Gundry diet for uh, 18 months and it was amazing. But, you know, at one point you, you, you want to eat this, you want to eat that. And, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to be a human. It's okay to spoil your child once in a while, but once spoil them when they're as healthy as possible so they can take the hit. Because would you not agree, Piper, every time we eat something crappy, like a Snickers or a drink of Coke, we are taking a hit. Yeah, absolutely. We're taking a hit. Our immune systems are taking a hit. Sugar has no nutritional value, zero. Um, And it's very, very inflammatory. That's one of the top things I actually recommend when working with clients is stop eating the sugar. And we're going to come up with some ways to substitute that. But yes, you're, you're taking a hit and you're causing that stress. And when you are doing that for somebody who's healthy, a healthy individual, say you're at a birthday party and you're going to splurge a little bit, is a little different than if you're taking that hit every single day. And what I'm teaching clients is you have to make it for the long term. This is the long run. You're going to change your diet and your lifestyle. When, when you're feeling fantastic and you're in optimal health, you cannot go back to being that Taco Bell drive through mom like I was. You have to you know, save that. I'm going to have a little bit of gluten-free birthday cake and a soda at a birthday party once or twice a year Um, because we're humans. We are not perfect. And I I think being extremely restrictive all the time is difficult, especially for kids. Um, But the big, big thing is that once your kids know how to listen to their body, when they do do things like that, they're like, "Ugh, I feel bad. It it does these things to me. Um, And then it makes them less likely to do it again. Yeah. At what age do you think is the threshold when you can as a parent, you can kind of do that. It's like, I want, like, let's say mommy, I want X ice cream, let's say whatever. Say, okay, but watch how it makes you feel. At what age do you think kids will be, you know, um, uh, mature enough to, to, you know, fully comprehend what, what happens? I think it really depends on the child. Some of them get it. Some of them understand right away. Um, and some of them, it just takes years. And I think for most people, they don't realize and they don't realize how bad they feel until they feel really good. And then it's like, wow, I felt, I felt awful. I did not feel good. So it really, I think is a dependent on the child. But my, my big thing is if you start them off eating that clean organic diet, they're going to be so much more aware when you go to a birthday party when they're six years old and they eat 43 cupcakes and 70 sodas and they're like, I feel horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But I, I love what you said there, Piper, because so many of us, we, we have never, or we have since childhood, we have forgotten what it truly feels like to be vibrantly healthy and alive. So, I think, yeah, once, once you get someone sufficiently healthy, um, yeah, they, they can start seeing, okay, now I see what you mean. Oh, this actually kind of, I just, this popped into my head. Do you notice 
with with your clients do you have periods of um you know kids hurting or kind of feeling worse before they feel better do you, do you have to grapple a lot with that with your clients with the families yeah you know there's you've got that uh the herxheimer effect the die-off um but a lot of kids and we're working on that healing especially when they have that that toxicity in the gut they may experience some die-off, which means those bad bacteria are dying off and it can make you feel junky. It can definitely make things worse before they get better. Um, but your body is in that mode that's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What are we, what are mm -hmm. we doing here? So there, is, there can be an adjustment period for some kids. And for some kids, they're just resilient and it's like they never skip a beat and things start to get better and they snowball and their parents are like, wow, that is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you, so would, would you save, would you ever use binders like, let's say, activated charcoal or GI detox like zeolite or modified citrus pectin? Would you ever use them as a part of the protocol or kind of in more, uh, let's say, severe die-off, hurting type reactions? What's your I I like um, this modified citrus pectin. I think it's really, really kid-friendly. It's not going to take out any other nutrients. So some of the under, other binders can bind to our nutrients. And when we're starting with a kid who is nutrient deficient in the first place, we don't want to do that. So I do like uh, citrus pectin for that. We definitely are going to incorporate that with, with a gut protocol. It's not, to me, it's not going to be something long-term, but again, if we're having a child who does have some of that heavy metal that maybe does have some mold toxicity using something like modified citrus pectin, it can be really, really helpful in, in counteracting that die-off. Yeah. Interesting. You said mold. Um, I was at a Great Plains Lab um, online summit uh, uh, in July, and I can't remember exactly the what, what Dr. Shaw, the director of the lab, said, but he said there's some lab in Bulgaria, mycology lab where I'm from, Bulgaria, they had found uh, mycotoxins to to be they found mycotoxins in like a huge percentage of the autistic population that they tested have you in your experience seen mycotoxins in in autism much i i would not be surprised by that study at all um yes i have i have several clients who we've been we have worked on on mold um and mostly because the mobs are able to say, I was exposed to mold and I've been on a mold protocol. So yes. And I do look at mold as a factor. When I take a health history, it's one of those questions. Do you live in a place where maybe your house smells musty or you live in a basement where there's some musty things going on? Like is mold an issue? So I do take that into account and I would not be surprised because those spores, those mold spores, once they're in, it's like they, they're going to grab on. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how it is in New New Mexico, but here in Portugal, I've I've done a few organic acids tests, and I so far I think sixty sixty percent of the folks that I've tested have had aspergillus mold. So it's pretty damp and nasty here. It's very dry here. I don't see a lot of mold from my New Mexico clients, um, but I do. I have someone in Puerto Rico that I'm working with right now, she's, she's had some mold issues and I have another 
from Hawaii, they moved to a drier climate, but, you know, dealing with mold as well. And we've been doing that for about a year. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I see it. Mold is not just one of those other stressors that we're looking at. It's not out of the question at all. Yeah, it's not a fad. It's not like people are not inventing it in their heads, right? No, no. And people think like, oh, it's not a big deal. But if you had a house that was on fire, you would get out of your house. And mold is very much the same way. It's going to keep proliferating and growing in your home and inside your body. So it's really important to figure out like, how can we remediate this mold? How can we get this mold out? What do we need to do? My one client was like, we had to throw away all of our furniture. We had to start from scratch because the mold had just everywhere. And do you, do you, do you know of any kind of, let's say it's on the walls. Do you know of any kind of treatments you can do? sure about how mold remediation works in general. I know you can hire companies to come in and do it. They use stuff like it's called kills. It's very chemical laden kind of toxic paint that they're going to put on there. Um, but you can test your home for mold as well. So it's ERMI testing, E-R-M-I, ERMI testing is a great way to really dig into is is my mold, is my home toxic uh, with mold? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna look look for that and put it in the show notes as well. I know many folks in in kind of Western Northern Europe here would have a, a mold problem, so I think that's it. It's important because I I think in the states it, it's getting more knowledge, you know, is being spread more. But in Europe we're quite ignorant, so we need to work on that. Um, Piper, I love how any question and topic I throw at you, you you come back with an awesome. Uh, uh, reply. Can you? I know I'm kind of also jumping all over the place, but um, can you tell me in your view, um, how much do genes? How much of a role do you think genes are playing in kids' um conditions nowadays? Given how quickly those numbers are going up as well. Uh. A little bit of a role. So a lot of people have heard the term uh, genetics loads the gun, environment pulls the trigger. So we're looking at those foundational things in our genes. But what you eat affects your DNA. It changes your DNA. What you're putting in your body changes your DNA. So for a lot of these kids, yes, they may be predisposed to these genetic mutations. And those genetic mutations may go back generation after generation after generation. But it's because I think we live in this time period where we basically live in a toxic soup. There are more chemicals now than ever before. I mean, women just getting ready in the morning are exposed to over 250 chemicals, just putting on lotion and washing their hair. And I think for, for kids, they are one, genetically predisposed two they are living in this toxic soup environment. They're eating a super processed diet. We're eating more processed junk than we've ever ate before in history. You know, we're buying these convenience foods off the shelves and the kids want chicken nuggets and corn dogs and French fries. They don't want a green leafy salad and a piece of steak. And I think that all of those factors combined are what's really, where we're really seeing these big issues start to come up. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, just to underscore, you said genes play a small part and i think i think a lot of people think things like 
things like uh, autism are purely genetic, but you know the studies I've read, and that's a few hundred of them. Um, a lot of researchers are saying they they believe it's something like ten to fifteen percent genetics, and the rest is more environment. So, what do you have to offer for folks that are still of the you know erroneous opinion that it's all of these conditions are genetic what do you have to offer to them in order for them to kind of um i don't want to say take action but i think i feel like a lot of uh maybe conventional medicine uh plays a role in this because they seem to label everything as genetic until they figure out the causes so a lot of parents let's say they go and they have, their child is diagnosed with autism they say it's genetic and there's nothing can be done there's no cure it's for life and uh i think a lot of folks are just they they lose all hope they're paralyzed into inaction um and then th- there's all this amazing information folks are spreading out there like uh functional practitioners other doctors etc and they they look at the information and don't action they think they don't take action on the information how would you um go about you know talking to a person like that or a family like that that are still in that kind of phase yeah so one is i think that the the proof is in the pudding i you know look at look at testimonials look at people who that it's it's changed their lives i've got my own clients that will tell you you know these approaches has changed their lives i think that there's not a ton of research out there on natural approaches there's not a ton of research on diet there's not a ton of research on supplements and the the reason being is you know you don't, you're not making money off of that. The people who are funding those research studies aren't going to make money off of that. So there's not a ton of stuff out there. But when you start to dig in and you start to look at families and, and kids that it's changed their lives, you know, I can say to people here, here's the, the proof. Here is what's happening. And just because it's not some funded medical study doesn't mean that these changes are not going to be happening. So, you know, I've really shared with my clients that there's other people out there that it's definitely been working for. Um, let's, let's look at the information. There's people that you can, you know, um, Dr. Michelle Perro, she wrote a book called what's making our kids so sick or Ch- what's making our children sick. And it's a fantastic book for parents to read when, when they're looking at that, mm-hmm. uh, doom and gloom basically, because that's what a lot of it is. It's like, oh, there's nothing you can do for us. It was just ignore it. They'll grow out of it. And I was of the belief of no, no way I'm not standing for that. There's got to be an answer. And, I think that parents need they parents need an advocate. They need someone to stand up and say, you know what? There's a, there's another way. Let me let me help you. Let me mm-hmm. hold your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that is a really good book. Uh, What's making our children sick? Another one I'll add into the show notes for folks. Um, that if you read that book or half of that book and you don't switch to an all organic diet immediately, you have not read the book. You have not actually read the book. You know, it's, it's kind of terrifying. Exactly. Uh, She and I have, she and I have actually had conversations, uh, Dr. Perro and I, and just the, just the information and the stories that she tells about these kids who are on the spectrum, who they are changing their diet. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one case where the child had an amazing, you know, recovery 
But then the dad, because he had to eat organic to for moral support and you know that kind of stuff, and he had some. I think it was like some uh, family, um, uh, familial kidney, kidney problem, kidney disease. Yeah. kidney disease mm-hmm. and that went away or something or, in, or improved drastically yeah. <laughs> that yeah so yeah, after they uh, told insane. him that there's nothing he could do about it yeah 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 they were like you can't <laughs> do anything about it and he started eating organic and it went away so yeah yeah so this this is one thing that i i, I i'm also like all organic it's it's actually much easier than buying supplements researching supplements it's literally don't don't buy something unless you know the farmer and how they've produced it, or it has a USDA or in the, if you're in the European Union, um, certify organic that those little green labels, and just buy only things like that. Even if it's junk food, at least you are you're reducing the hit that your family is taking. So yeah, great book. I'm gonna I'm gonna include that in the show notes. Um, well, can you? Give us an example of one of your harder, more kind of quote unquote intractable cases. What, what you did there kind of, what did you have to pull any uh, more seldom used tools out of your toolbox? Any kind of stories you can share? Yeah. So my, one of my clients, um, he had been in the mental institution three times and his mom called me during the third stay in the mental institution and said, you know, my friend, my friend recommended you, do you think you can help? And we really dug into what was going on. And I said, has anything else you've tried worked? And she said, no, she said, I don't think my son's ever going to be able to live a normal life and do things that other kids are doing. And I said, well, if nothing else you've tried has worked, let's give it a whirl. Let's, let's try it. Um, and if we do it and, and it doesn't work, then you can say nothing we have tried has worked. So when he got out of the institution, we started working. We did the whole health history. We did stool testing. We did gene testing. We did food sensitivity testing. We actually worked with his doctor to do some blood work. Um, and he was experiencing, um, since he was a kid, um, chronic anxiety, uh, delusions. He couldn't go out and be around crowds, so all that social anxiety Um he would tell his mom that he was hearing voices, um, just all of these things. He was on like eight different medications when we started working together. And he had a great doctor that was really willing to kind of get him off these things as we progressed. And we completely changed everything. We changed his diet. We changed his sleep. He was like staying up all night long, um, not sleeping, which can actually be a sign of, of some gut infection, some gut bug, because mm-hmm. those those guys are active at night. So we've changed, you know, just based on everything we looked at his whole life, we added in some supplementation to support his genes. We changed his diet. We helped him rest better. And in six months, he was able to get off all of his medications except for one. He's still doing a thyroid medication because the lithium he previously took damaged his thyroid. Mm. He was able to go back to school. He was able to graduate high school. He got a driver's license. He got a job. He flew across the country by himself to visit his brother in another state. And his mom just said, like, I never, ever thought that he would ever be able to live a life where he would be able to do anything and be successful. And she said she's just shocked at the improvements that he's had from using this 
approach. They've tried, they've tried everything. And, you know, in the, in the institution, they were feeding them pancakes and syrup every single day with some macaroni and cheese for lunch. Um, and once we could really nail down what was going on and change things, he, he's a new kid. Yeah. Yeah. It, I just for the folks listening, you know, take note because we're talking about pretty simple stuff, diet, good diet, of course, organic diet, supplementation, and, you know, certain lifestyle changes, removing toxic products out of the house, this kind of stuff. And, and of course, all of this guided by some functional lab testing and it actually really works. And, you know, I think your, your many clients are, are a testament to that Piper. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I, I did not grow up thinking in the conventional model. I grew up thinking you went to the doctor, they gave you a pill and that's how you got better. And it wasn't until we went on this, what I say, you know, it was this really dark road with my son um, that now I know was for a reason. There was a light at the end of the tunnel, but it wasn't until we went through this, this dark place with my son that I completely changed my way of thinking about health and wellness. Yeah. Well, I'm, gr- I'm glad you're in a good place and uh, I'm glad you're kind of paying it forward and teaching other families um, what to do to, to kind of, you know, get healthy and stay healthy. Um, before we go, can you tell folks where they can find you on the internet, Piper? Yeah, absolutely. I am on, you can find me at www.regenerating.health. So not.com, it's .health. Um, and then I am on Instagram at Regenerating Health. I'm on Facebook at Regenerating Health. Actually, I have a private Facebook community for parents whose kids have tics and Tourette's. So it's a real place that we can have conversations about what's going on with their kids and their symptoms. And there's, you know, moms are scared and overwhelmed and stressed out and feel um, like lost in an emotional hurricane. Mm-hmm. So those are, I'm easy to find. You can even Google Piper Gibson. And I think I'm like the first or second thing to pop up. So Awesome. I'm going to have all those links in the show notes, of course. And um, yeah, folks, uh, in case you want to reach out to Piper, everything will be in, if you check your podcast player uh, or on the website show notes, there'll be kind of some details, links, websites, social media. So Piper, I want to thank you uh, for the work you're doing, doing, you know, we need more people like you out there. (laughs) Thank you for the work you're doing and thank you for spending some time and enlightening us on, I think we packed in 55 minutes, I think we packed uh, an unbelievable amount of information. I think folks would definitely want to listen and re-listen to this episode at least two, three times for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Thank you for listening. Please help us to spread this vital information by rating the podcast on iTunes and sharing it with others who may find the information useful. For further content and resources, go to christianjordanoff.com. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the book Autism Wellbeing Plan today, available on Amazon.